Uh, out of curiosity, who is packing? I am, yes, sir, America. Shh. Well, we packing, dog. Wow. I have Dave's hunting rifle, if that would be helpful. Oh, gosh. I almost forgot. Um, I got... It's teensy. It's just a little... Okay. It's a little... It's first gun. Excuse you. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I think we should keep a, a gun in every room, you know, just to be safe. Yo, hold up! This dude Emerson wants to come down off his mountain maniac ass and eat our asses and f*** our skulls. Guess what? It's not gonna happen tonight because pam pam, I'm up in this shit. Yeah, where my gun goes, I goes. Same. And I'm sleeping with my wife. Unless someone prefers that my gun stays in someone else's room. Cecily? Do you have protection? Or? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, one more time. Raise your hand if you have a gun. It's tiny. It's, it's purse. And uh, if you don't have a gun, no gun? Marcus got my gun. Well, we're having a good old-fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to a brand new year and a brand new era here at your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the Fear of God podcast. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here but then he said he needed to go chant the word balls. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be back. Hopefully much more just kind of confident and self-assured. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into this first series of the year. That of 2021 more time. 2021 more time. Reed's not here to stop me from seeing. Hanging, where we're running down five films from your top 10 horror of 2021. On top of that, and for patrons only right now, we're hanging in the crockpot with the TV guideposts featuring Mike Flanagan's Netflix series Midnight Mass. Last week, we went to the beach with St. Maud, and this week we are heading to the mountains with Josh Rubin's Werewolves Within. As a reminder to you this new year, here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now. When I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com, uh, how to support us on Patreon, essays, team bios, episode archives, merch, read. Hey, buddy. You balls. You look, yeah, you look just <laughs> so assured and just. I am. I'm confident. You know what? Anytime yes. I feel 
unquiet just, in my spirit. I'm just I'm just gonna yeah, listen. It's balls. it's it's healthy. It's it yeah. you know, balls. Balls. Yeah, you throw and stuff like balls. Balls. Just you know <laughs> balls. Yeah. yeah. Hey buddy. Oh Welcome my gosh. To the show. People, hi, people who do not or have not yet seen this movie, which please watch this movie. That will, you know, they'll think we're just vulgar for vulgarity's sake. But you know, yeah. What else is yeah. new with you? I mean, what? Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know how to take that. Coming, coming in hot. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy. So, Hi. Hot. Last week, <laughs> same mod. My word. <laughs> I mean, one might even say up in flames. It was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, might they ever? Indeed. Bless her heart. Oh, Bless her man. heart. <laughs> that was such a. <laughs> that was such a southern. Bless, bless her heart, Maud. Yeah. Oh, oh, Maud, bless her heart. She don't that was, know. That's not the. <laughs> that's not the sentiment for that movie. Um, bless my heart. Yeah, please bless my soul. Um, so uh, we have <laughs> listen. We have some fun stuff to get into. I'm eager to get into it. Do you want to cover a little bit of business before we do? It's business. Business time. Uh, yeah, watch Midnight Mass. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I mean, Whew. join Patreon, but also just watch Midnight Mass because... Oh, man. It's, man. It's intense. Even if you're um, not following along, I mean, hopefully this is clear, but even if you're not following along with the episode-by-episode episode on Patreon, then do be should. aware, listener, and they should, but do be aware, listeners, that the episode 7 slash full discussion of the series as a whole is coming in like three or four weeks from now. So yes, Yee. watch midnight mass and follow us on I don't Patreon. I want it to end. I don't want it to end. I like, I'm really, yeah. I mean, this is for our next segment, but like, Oh Lord, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Reed, we're not I'm going loving. to go full into that just yet, but as a point of business, we've got the first annual foggy awards. Oh my gosh. What? I'm so excited. I can't Reed, believe it. It's foggy time. I know. What? So the first annual, I can't, so this was prompted. I'm going to give him some, a little bit of love. It was prompted by oh, Beckley. Our very own Stephen Beckley pointing out that horror films get very little love in the Oscars. And I was like, you know what? We're in a minor. No, no. We're in a small position to, to, to do something about that. We're just taking a step. We're just doing our part to rectify the situation. So we, are, uh, we, we have announced on social media, but if you are hearing it for the first time here, uh, the first, hopefully annual, Foggy uh, Awards. Yeah, that is super exciting. Yes, it's annual. Every year. So Done. listeners take note. Yeah. You know, the first annual Foggy Awards. Um, this is only going to focus on the films of 2021, um, as each annual uh, installment will do. Uh, but yes, so we are going to reveal tonight, we, we put it out on social media for listeners to present to us some for your considerations, if you will, in seven different categories. So I'm going to briefly name the categories. Uh, we decided a best picture and director, obviously, best lead performance, best supporting performance, best writing, best production, and best scare. And we asked listeners to submit their considerations in those categories. A bunch of listeners did. Uh, a lot of them, you know, either commented on social media or sent us an email or sent us a direct message. It was super fun to catalog all these things. And from those we have put together the Fear of God annual Foggy nominations. So I want to say two things real quick, and then we'll dive into the nominations. Are you ready to reveal them? I'm so excited. Oh my yeah, God. you just keep this talking. So I do keep talking. Yes, I have two more things to say. Okay, so the, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, just a word about how these nominations were uh, calculated is just 
people mentioned them, and the more mentions a thing got, the more likely it was to receive a nomination. And then Nathan and I, myself, um, had you know basically a, a little bit of influence over like we basically picked one each. So the nominations you're going to hear is probably like. We're not going to point out which ones they are, but it's probably like Reed's pick is in there, Nathan's pick is in there, and then three that were literally by math chosen by how many times it got mentioned from the listener consideration. Now that having been said, the second and last thing I'm going to say before I'm going to turn it over to you to announce the nominees is I did just want to give a little bit of love to some films. Consider this your also rans your your watch list. My man loves a runner up. I do for things that got mentioned. Maybe even got mentioned more than once, but didn't receive enough mentions to earn a nomination. Just going to rattle off the films uh, very quickly. Is about you know eight to ten here. The film Antlers, the Netflix series Brand New Cherry Flavor, the film Caveat, also on Netflix, Fear Street Trilogy, Halloween Kills, Nightmare Alley, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, The Power, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, a film called Slacks film called The Vigil, and a film called Wrong Turn, which I mentioned on our Final Girl episode. Those are all films that got a little bit of love, not quite enough to earn a nomination. So if you nominated in your category, no, we heard you, just didn't quite make the cut. But also for everybody else, consider that a list of films that our foggy listeners consider worth your checking out. Now that I've been said, I've, I've talked enough. Let's, yeah, let's get into have. it. Let's just, On let's to get the foggies, the right. first annual Fear of God Horror Awards. Uh, as Reed mentioned in seven categories, the nominees, Reed, for best mm-hmm. scare. Mm-hmm. That's a tough, tough category this year, Lackey. It was. You know, I remember back when we were when I was pitching you on, hey, let's do a 2021 more time, and you're like, there's not enough scary movies. And wow. <laughs> this, this feels personal. <laughs> And here we are mm-hmm. with some friggin' friggin' scary stuff on really the scary list. Stuff. Really scary so, stuff. So you're hearing it here first. The five nominees for best scare at the 2021 first annual Foggies are <laughs> You saw her last week. Never want to see her again. Saint Maud, Amanda's Transformation. Mm-hmm. is one of your top five best scares, one of your nominees for best scares for 2021. Next up the list. I am not Owen. <laughs> I'm not Owen from the night house. Yes. What's it about? Not real sure. Scary scene though. Uh, uh, three of five is, oh, sweet boy. <laughs> Poor all the cold ones out for the wrong place, the wrong time for my boy Riley Flynn and Midnight Mass. Riley mm-hmm. gets taken by the beast, Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, four is. <laughs> Let's crack some skulls and get Gabriel up in here and <laughs> just go nuts, go ham on these mm-hmm. fools up in the prison. So the Gabriel reveal slash prison scene, basically the finale of Malignant mm-hmm. is best scare. And lastly, so we've got St. Maud, Amanda transforms. I'm not Owen Riley, wrong place, wrong time. Gabriel's reveal. The last one, a movie I've not seen yet, but mm. I'm now interested is it's the deep scary. house. The scene mm-hmm. in question is the chained corpses awaken. That sounds like a grand old time. It's very they, scary. Like, dance and sing. Like, the- they're just like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> They're not Marley and Marley. Marley and Marley. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's the but deep in this house. One it's <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, yeah, the deep house is scary as crap, especially that scene. So, yeah, those are some really strong, scary, yeah. scary scenes. So, indeed, thank you for that. That was our nominee for your best scare. Best production design, your five nominees. What I like about this category is this was the category that tended to highlight some things that didn't get nominated elsewhere, which I kind of liked. I think listeners in approaching this, they were like, okay, these are kind of the best ones. And so we're going to give it, you know, considerations for director and actor and everything like that. But I really loved this other little tiny piece over here that's probably not going to get more nominations. So I'm going to mention it in production because that's kind of the way the, the nominees played out. So for best production design... Your five you, nominees are what? What? What is production design? Reed, tell us a little bit. Production design could have meant anything, Nathan. It could have meant you liked the makeup. It could have meant you liked the cinematography. It could have meant you liked the sound design and the score. Okay. It could have meant okay. you liked the general sensibility of the film. So the design of the production, basically. Basically, what production design means <laughs> is the design. <laughs> okay. Of, if you will. The production. The production. Okay. Okay. I'm with <laughs> yes, you now. So indeed. what what are the nominees, Reed? What are they choosing? So the from nominees this year? for best production design are The Green Knight. Dun dun dun. Great production Very design. Good movie. Censor, which is never a seen film. It. Never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. I I had heard of it and had intended to see it as of this recording. I have not yet seen it, so I'm very intrigued and curious that it that it earned uh, a nomination for production design. Censor. Uh third. And these are in no particular order. They're just there. Um, Willie's Wonderland, starring Nick Cage. Uh, we might be getting to that soon. Might we'll be getting to Maybe. that soon. We'll see. We'll see. Um, fourth on this list is the Netflix miniseries Squid Game. Uh, I say miniseries. I think it might yeah. be getting a season two now. So yeah. just series. It's but- got some. It's got some great production design. Now yep. you tend to you love to just like be like, oh, by the way, have you watched it yet? I have not seen it yet. No. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's I'm, quality. Yes, I am excited to see it. Um, so, The Green Knight, Censor, Willy's Wonderland, Squid Game, and the final nomination for production design is a film called Come True, which I have seen, and I completely understand, fully understand why this got a nomination for production design, because there's some nightmare sequences in it that are among the, some of the scariest visuals I have ever seen in any horror film ever. Uh, the film overall, as a whole, uh, has somewhat mixed Wait, returns. What did you just say? That, Sorry, I was reading ahead my nominees. What? No, it's okay. So the film Come True mm-hmm. has a little bit of mixed returns in the film as a whole, but I understand why it got a nomination for production design because there's a sequence of recurring dream sequences which has some of the most viscerally frightening imagery that I have ever seen in a film. It is really unsettling and unnerving and very, very effective. So I understand why this got kind of some some love in the production design category, hmm. though maybe not elsewhere. So those are your nominees for production design. Okay. We got best scare. We got best production design, which mm-hmm. is the design of the production. Next up, Reed, <laughs> is best writing. Now, it mm-hmm. feels important to note that we may actually be giving out our very first uh, uh, Lifetime Achievement Foggy Award <laughs> um, because... 
Uh, receiving a number of votes in this category was Midnight Mass, but a thing we did not explicitly state was show versus TV. I'm sorry, show versus film. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it feels a little unfair because uh, there's a, a a battery, a team of writers attached to Midnight Mass and Correct. a more long form uh, a delivery mechanism that feels maybe unfairly weighted against the feature. So we are probably yeah. going to just award Midnight Mass its honorary uh, achievement award for writing. Uh, however, the five nominees that are in fact features are werewolves within. Yay. Which we will be covering today mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, by Mishnah Wolf. Um, next up for best writing is Tatane by mm-hmm. Julia Ducarnow. Uh, uh, she of the just beautiful film raw. Can't wait for Tatane. I actually am quite intrigued. I'm just like, I know I'm going to be so repulsed. I don't even, I don't know, you know, I can't can't go on. Sure. Um, Next up for best writing is our friend St. Maud by Rose Glass, Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as The Night House. I'm sure, Reed, your vote for best writing was The Night House, Uh, but by Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski. Lastly Mm -hmm. is... If you said it once, you've said it five times. It's all Candyman by Jordan Peele, Nia DaCosta, and Wynn Rosenfeld. So best writing, Candyman, The Night House, St. Maud, Tatane, Werewolves Within. Riri, what's Indeed. next? Indeed. You Your nominees for best supporting performance, and in both of the performance categories, this one and the next one, we decided not to split them up into male and female performers. We just decided best... Yeah. Gender is a construct anyway. Gender is a construct. So um, best supporting performance and best lead performance will be coming up, but your nominees for best supporting performance. This is a good list. It's a really good list. First up, you got Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho. Stay tuned next week, everybody. Can we talk about, she, what? Anya Taylor-Joy is just like zero to 60 in like two years. I know. It's been longer than that. But But no, she's, yeah, like she has just become the A lister in the span of about three to four years. That is no doubt. Maybe, maybe more like five. But uh, whatever she was doing sort of in the ramp up, because overnight successes, you know, rarely happen. Yeah. Um, Which, which is, by the way, not according to Lackey the Listicle, a religious horror film. But, Nonetheless, we'll carry, it wasn't carry on, a comprehensive <laughs> list. It was simply the best six. It wasn't like go ahead. Go ahead. It wasn't like was, oh, these are all mean to, yeah, didn't yeah. Mean to step on your toes. You little, oh, sure, yeah, little, you did. Toes. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> Anya Taylor Joy, last night in Soho. Uh, next up, Vincent London for Tatane. I have not seen Tatane yet, so I can't speak too much to it. But Vincent London for Tatane received a best supporting performance nomination. We've got two people. From Midnight Mass, which we Look did out. not we did not disqualify it from from performance. Vote split. Uh, for some obvious reasons, because that's still very singular. But two performances from Midnight Mass and that of Robert Longstreet, who played Joe Colley, and Zach Guilford, who played Riley Flynn. Both receiving you. nominations. I adore. <laughs> both receiving nominations for best supporting performance. And rounding it out, I was so delighted to see this. A little surprised, but so delighted to see it. There's a, a lesser-known film called Superhost, and receiving a nomination for supporting performance is Gracie Gilliam. I think she's credited in Superhost as Grace Phipps, um, but she has changed her name recently. But Gracie Gilliam slash Grace Phipps for Superhost. It's a film I have seen, and I totally understand why she got mentioned enough times to earn a Best Supporting Performance for Superhost. So, one last time before moving on, it is Anya Taylor-Joy from Last Night in Soho, Vincent London from Titan. Gracie Gilliam, a.k.a. Grace Phipps from Superhost, 
and Zach Guilford and Robert Longstreet, both from Midnight Mass. Those are your nominees for Best Supporting Performance. Uh, the next on the list of categories is... I was trying to get ahead of the game here uh, once I saw it on a, a name pronunciation. Um, <laughs> so, Best Lead Performance nominees are... Agatha Russell for Tatane. Still haven't seen it yet. Chloe Grace Moretz for Shadow in the Clouds. Not seen that either, but I am intrigued. Mm -hmm. uh, Thomason McKenzie for Last Night in Soho. Mm -hmm. um, this is the one I had to look up. Morpheth Clark mm. for St. Maud, who is also mm -hmm. playing Lady Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. That she is. Mm -hmm. Forthcoming. And last but not least... God rest his soul. Hamish Linklater, Midnight Mass. <laughs> He's not dead. I don't know. That was just a figure of speech. Yeah, so, sure best lead performance, Thomas and McKenzie, Hamish Linklater, Morpheth Clark, Chloe, Gla Chloe Grace Moretz, Agatha Russell. Lots of syllables coming out of the mouth. what's up next? Okay, so We're next up there. is your, good yeah, list. Is your category for best director. Um, and so, for best director, you have Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho. Julia Ducournau for Tatane. John Krasinski for A Quiet Place Part 2. Prano Bailey Bond for Censor. You want to talk about really rising Censor up in my interest to see it is the fact that it got mentioned enough times Director to earn a Best Director and Production Design. Yes. And then, last but not least, for Malignant, James Wan. So... Your best director competitors are Edgar Wright for Soho, Julia DeCarnow for Titan, John Krasinski for Quiet Place, Prano Bailey Bond for Censor, and James Wan for Malignant. Those are your nominees for best director. Bring us home, Nathan. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, for your first annual Foggy Awards. Uh, best picture nominees for 2022's ceremony to be revealed, coinciding with... The Oscars. Uh, your five Best Picture nominees for the 2022 Foggy Awards are... Werewolves Within. <sighs> Tatane. <sighs> oh, I won't do that every time. Uh, <laughs> A Quiet Place, Part Deux, <laughs> Malignant, and Candyman. Wow. 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 That's incredible. That's pretty incredible. It I'm is. super excited. So we will be, if you, if you were driving and can't take notes, we will be posting all of the nominees on social media shortly after the release of this episode. Um, and here's what I will say before we move on from this and get into our film for the week is I would encourage you, uh, we're going to hold back the survey to actually vote until probably the end of February, beginning of March. But I would encourage you to seek these films out. Uh, if you are able to, make an informed vote. I realize time can be a commodity, and I realize that sometimes it can be precious, and, and you may not have time to get to everything. But I would encourage you, if you're curious about the nominees, uh, unless you really just know, like, oh, man, I absolutely want to champion something as my vote, uh, see these films. These are good films. I've, I, there's only two or three on this list that I haven't seen, and this is very much propelling me to want to see them. So... I would encourage the same for you, uh, listener, uh, and we will keep you updated on what to expect and, and, and when we will actually, and when and how we will actually be announcing the winners uh, of the first annual Fear of God Foggy Awards, which I'm super excited for. That's, it's fun. 
That's great. Good times. <sighs> Looking forward to it. All right. Speaking of one of our uh, foggy best picture nominees, Reed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Balls. How do you feel about this film? It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird setup. <laughs> so um, how do you, no, no. How, what, what are your thoughts I, on this film? I enjoy it. Uh, I loved my first viewing of it, and I liked want, my second viewing of it. You want? Oh, okay. You want to tell the? You want to tell the story of the first viewing of it? Um, I mean, beyond just the fact that it was uh, uh, the Pod Bros, it was me, yourself, and often on Quarterly Kings, Blake Collier and Andy Whitfields on one Quarterly King, never to be heard from again, Jeff Hansen. <laughs> um, hanging out and we watched this and did we not tell the strangers to already on this we did oh we did no okay, we did okay. yeah, on yeah, our princess yeah. bride episode we we talked about this really that's a weird place uh, to put that it was a weird place to put it but i'm fairly certain that's where we told the story but um but yes uh those were the two major films that we watched that weekend as we watched werewolves within well and we watched i mean um, technically yes. dune which you know kind of mm, culturally yeah. is a more major but sure whatever, you know yes we did watch it I mean, that, that that is <laughs> a thing to that win a lot of awards for <laughs> production design <laughs> i love it when a joke comes around <laughs> that's awesome um so you said you loved your first or you really enjoyed it and you loved your first viewing and liked your second yeah i mean okay you know a comedy is well received in the company of comrades and you know so the 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 energy was a little more a bit more um subdued well well the first time no it was not subdued no but i mean oh, oh uh you yeah, were afraid. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The second yeah. time i was like yeah this is werewolves within this is fun <laughs> this is i like these within. people they're funny I chuckled yeah. a couple times yeah hmm. okay what i mean what yeah. what about you reed i had did you the- I did had you have the, an opposite opinion? I, I did have an opposite opinion huh. from you. Um, so, so here's what happened with me. I really enjoyed the first time. Like when I think about, when I think back to that weekend, the one that stands out the most to me is our viewing of The Strangers Pray at Night because of your sure. absolute pogo stick reaction where you came off of the futon, <laughs> attached yourself to the ceiling at one point, <laughs> fell down on my head, broke my back. Cracked my back to fix it and everything. It was, it was really, really fun. So, yeah. So, so Werewolves Within was a film that I saw and, and, and really enjoyed. I was like, that's fun. I like that movie. This time around, I watched it and Nathan. Dude. I love this movie. I, huh. I am rapturous for this movie. This movie has very quickly solidified itself in the Reed Lackey imagination as probably something that will be on repeat Halloween after Halloween. I love what this film is about. I love how it is about it. I have fun watching it. I love, love, love this movie. My energy around and so why I say the opposite is you had initially expressed love the first viewing, liked the second. I would say really liked the first viewing. Freaking loved the second one. I am about to heap so many piles of praise upon Werewolves Within. For a myriad of different reasons, but I love this movie. I love it. Well, all right. Love it so I mean, much. I, my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, so, so a couple of things, just a little bit of not, not the way we do for our patron segments and midnight mass, but a little bit of setup. It's basically you have uh, a new forest ranger has come to a very, very small mountain community. 
And it quickly becomes apparent that this mountain community is being terrorized by a werewolf, and the werewolf is perhaps one of them. It was based on, a, a, I guess, a PlayStation VR game, and maybe a couple of other platforms that it was available on, but it was, it was based on a game from just a couple of years earlier, I think like 2016 or 17. And so that's the basic premise, is basically you know this forest ranger uh, enters this mountain community, they realize there's a werewolf among them, and so then the, the the proceedings occur that they have to find out who among them is the werewolf and try to survive the night. Um, and so that is the generalized premise of Werewolves Within. It opens, one of my favorite things, and I had forgotten this. Mm-hmm. I might have been looking away from the screen when it when we first watched it or whatever, but I, I had no memory whatsoever of this until it popped up on the screen that it opens with a Mr. Rogers quote, which is it always does. a way to endear yourself to me. Um, but it says, listening is where love begins, listening to ourselves and then our neighbors, Mr. Rogers. And I, I love a horror film that's going to open with a Mr. Rogers quote. I'm already in. I'm already sold. Yeah. This, is, this is really, really going to be great. So yeah. I'll mention one more thing and then maybe we can get into a couple specifics through our little segments, but I think this script is really, really funny. It's very funny. The performances sell it and and they sell it effectively, but I mean, the speed to the dialogue and the wit, um, it it was really rewarding for me to rewatch. Like there were jokes in there that I didn't catch the first time and hearing it, I was like, wait, what did they say? Oh, that was was great. That was really hysterical. And then of course I was energized by seeing the moments I did remember again. Um, So I just, I love the quirky characters. I love the whodunit energy of the whole proceedings. It's really firmly a comedy horror, more comedy than it is horror, but it's got some legit like frights and scares and, um yeah i just i love it i love it this is this is my alley this is my speed this is where i get the perhaps the most excited in watching scary movies so i know what's getting your foggy best picture uh (laughs) vote (laughs) i don't know i don't know i gotta watch i gotta watch a couple others but yeah well and and to be fair i feel the need i'm feeling you know vulnerable and a bit on the defense here but uh no i i I thoroughly enjoy it it Mm, was just mm. more like comedies with people that you enjoy are ripe scenarios for for enjoyment and yeah, absolutely and so absolutely. this time around it was kind of just me and i was like oh this is it's fun they're great i mean i think yeah. the performances are fantastic i love uh melena vine but i i was utterly unfamiliar with her before this um mm-hmm. of course i know sam and uh had yeah ted season two was, did we know Edwin Akufu yet before we saw what where was within? I can't remember. We, we did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd um, seen him, but and 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 that was I remember some version of pointing out like, oh crap, that that was Edwin Akufu. Um, and it's so funny because recently I've seen him crop up like everywhere. He's in a show my wife and I are watching right now called The After Party. That's also kind of like a comedy murder mystery uh, sort of story. But uh, yeah, he's fantastic. He's great. <laughs> I'm just reading through some of these lines. Let's do this. Dude, you had asked me about that. So right. Do you want to do both? I do want to do both. Can we lead with so right? Can we leave? Can we leave with that? Let's do it. All right. Take us away, Andrew. That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. That's just so <laughs> oh, it's great. So that's so right 
for this movie. I'm going to start. Go for it. You are. I'm gonna, you are. I'm going to start. I'm. I'm in big bundle ready. of joy. So let's do it, man. And this moment made me cackle. Made me absolutely cackle in the watching of it when we first saw it, and then this time around, I probably rewound it two or three times because I loved it so much. There's a scene where they're in the lodge, and you know the threat of the werewolf has you know thunderously risen to to meet all of them. And there's one moment where each of them begins to like rise up and and uh sam richardson's character finn has already given this like speech about how oh you know or actually i don't think he's given the speech yet because i think his speech sort of stops the proceedings but everybody's arguing and yelling at each other everybody's getting each other's face they're accusing each other they're saying nasty names and then while they're arguing it cuts very quickly to gwen <laughs> sitting on the couch and gwen is like air guitar she's like air guitar with her tongue out she's, she's like, yeah yeah she's great oh she's this. amazing I mean, everyone is strong she is great She's amazing. I was there was a part of me that was hoping she would get a supporting performance nomination. I I kind of understand. There's a lot going on in this film, but oh my gosh, she's she's hysterical in this. And that moment particularly, I just it's like a two second cutaway, but everybody's like yelling and get at each other's face. They cut down to her. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the funny. two of them. His his line, I think, in the exact same scene, which is the. What's known is we definitely have some unknown knowns and some known unknowns. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, the two of them are great, but she's mm-hmm. she's hysterical. That's um, so right. That's so right. Mm-hmm. It's my Bob Dylan. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't quit your day job. So, I won't. <laughs> um, there are a couple lines. I'll, I'll, I'll do this as my that's so right. The, the, my top one okay line okay. is i think it's towards the end because i'm pretty sure you'll have to remind me sequent sequentially where this falls but it's okay. joaquin uh who is talking to cecily uh who i'm pretty sure it's been revealed at that point is is our is our perpetrator <laughs> it has not cuss. been revealed so you're gonna uh, really oh yeah no it hadn't been revealed and at the the moment yeah. that that is revealed only yeah, Finn is with well, yeah, her. everybody else. I can't died. remember the context of why why he says that. Um, oh, I'll I'll help you out with it. Yeah. Tell your moment. So I won't you're gonna bleep this, okay? But but he's all emotional <laughs> and he's talking to her and he says, "Shut the f- up, girl. I love you so much. I'll have to kill your ass." He's all emotional <laughs> about it. It is. It is so <laughs> funny. Oh my god, he's so. Funny. <laughs> I love you so much. I'll have to kill your ass. That's funny. So the reason he's doing that is because he is convinced it's her because she is a seventh child. Because earlier, oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes earlier yes. So it's, he, a, it's at the climax, but not yes, fully. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, okay. and he does not he does not take her out. But oh man, he is hysterical. <laughs> oh my gosh! A runner up for him is when. So it's when Devin is still alive and they're in the lodge hold up and, and Janine says, Dave said he left me because I let myself go. And Devin, <laughs> the husband says, you look so good. And Joaquin's line is, you have clothes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you have clothes, <laughs> you have clothes. That's oh my great. God. Um, okay. what, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to mention know. one more. I'm going to mention me one another more. one. So right. Oh my God. So right. Um, so another one, and this one probably could classify as both. So right and ain't right. But when, when uh, Finn has found Dave's body 
and then brought it under like a tarp for everybody to investigate this one moment where Janine, like just, she's already wailing. She's already, she's already screaming and she's sad because this is, you know, her, her, her the person she was with or her lover. And so she's already like, oh my God, I just, oh, I, I can't take it. And then there's one point where she just like leans backward and pulls the tarp off of his body and everybody's reaction just continues to escalate. Like they recoil, but then also she just like intensifies the wailing. It is hysterical. It is really hysterical because she just leans back the tarp and it's like it amplifies everything. Nobody in that moment tries to recover the body to try to diffuse everything. It's just, it's funny. I I just read an interview actually before, before tonight uh, with Josh Rubin about, making it and shooting it. And, and so many of these performers are improvisers by trade. And mm, the, mm. the interviewer was basically saying like, how did you, certainly that's challenging to, to get a coherent shot, you know? <laughs> and he basically says, yeah, you had to tell them, okay, we need the close up, We need the wide shot and then we can play. Mm, but mm. even then, he was like, but remember, we're also on a timetable here. And so we can't just like play forever, you know, <laughs> it's like, you, having to juggle some of those, uh, the uh, wanting to honor the instincts of the performers while also mm-hmm. recognizing the limitations of the medium, you know, or their absolutely. constraints. Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I suppose I should have led with this because I guess categorically it's a, that's a right. That's representative of everything else. I think. Uh, Milana Vintrub is incredible. I think she's fantastic. She's I think amazing. She's hysterical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her 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 delivery. Um, I like everyone in it. Uh, uh, Gwen is my favorite supporting player, but uh, Vintrub the the as a performer is is fantastic. I mean, oh, some she's of her. Great. <laughs> I love when she's storming out. Jesus. Yell at someone smaller than you. Yell respect me or do whatever men do. I don't know because I try not to hang out with them. <laughs> I mean, just uh, her, Man, her, it's great. her delivery is, is spot on. She's so great. Well, yeah. And so many of her lines are just like under her breath where she's like, yes, uh, where, yes. where he's just like, oh, you're the mailman. She's like, Male yeah. person. Gender's a construct. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's, yeah, just, it's yeah. all like really fa- And that honestly, a lot of, I mentioned that like a lot of lines were lost on me in the first viewing because that's while the while I couldn't agree with you more about the energy of watching it with people that can hinder catching subtlety because everybody's laughing at different things and different times and so like things like that that are kind of you know rushed under the breath I didn't catch the first time around M- many of them I did but like uh, there were some particularly from her that sure. I didn't quite catch that I thought was just really really great yeah she's she's wonderful um I think what? they're, I'm sorry. I think they're the whole meet cute in the axe bar is, is great. And that's a really well. Oh, very scene. much. Yes. Very, what were you very about to much. Say? No. Uh, well, I was just going to say like, you know, you want to do the, the, the other half of this coin. You want to, you want to sure. flip the script let's and let's, let's do it. Okay. So take us out of this, Andrew. And then why don't you and go take ahead us into that, Andrew, take into that. That's just so right. That ain't That's 
sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> Thank you, Andrews. Oh, man. That's, yeah, Andrews. Um, I went first on that, so right. You can go first on that. Anyway. I don't I don't really have much of a that ain't right here. I mean, I think oh, okay. uh, from we'll a pure, That's fine. from a pure um, made me jump when Dr. Ellis shoots through the door. I, I kind of, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a bit of a jump scare. Um, sure. That's <laughs> That's basically it. I don't really have a no, 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 no. I get no. I get it. Uh, so, so I'll mention because it was like top of my list of the moment. Like this film does not revel in disgusting gore or like you know rough imagery. But but one moment in particular, uh, poor old Mimi Rogers like face plants into a fire, <laughs> then just lingers on. That's not Mimi Rogers, by the way. What's the actor's name? I'm sorry, I forgot. It's okay. But what's hysterical about that is the, when I rewatched it this time, I was like, I forgot Mimi Rogers in it. But the more I stared at it, I was like, that's not Mimi Rogers. And it's not. Oh, it's Michaela Watkins. Yeah, you're right. She really looks like Mimi Rogers. That is so funny. They resemble for sure. They do. But no, I'm glad you said that. That is a pretty wicked death. Mm -hmm. But yes, when Michaela Watkins face plants into the fire. Kensington. Yes, indeed. Indeed. No, it's not. I had, <laughs> I had a runner-up <laughs> okay. of, of Steve's hand, just everything related to Steve's hand. Anytime Steve's oh, deformed yeah, hand gross. is like, yeah. yes. I can, so, get a, yeah. I can get with you on that. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I did actually write down the kills. Um, I mean, the yeah, maple the spigot are, to the neck is pretty nasty. Yeah, That's of course. Anyway. Well, and then the sequence, you know, the guy gets run over and then poor Gwen just gets blasted away with yeah. Viscera splattering the wind. Yeah. That's ugh. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, it's, it's no St. Maud, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, all right. But Take that us out, was... Andrew. <laughs> sure. That sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> oh man. That's great. That's great. Um, so yeah, I, can I talk a little bit? I've talked a lot. Do you have thoughts on this film? You have that here. I, let me let me be let me be a friend to you. You you want to you want to go first and share your your thoughts on this film? <laughs> <laughs> well, Reed, uh, <laughs> listening is where love begins. Listening mm. to ourselves and then to our co-hosts. Um, yes. No, I mean. I, I would hope that wherever I would venture here would just kind of intersect and, and we can have a conversation more than sure. a, a, a lackey log. Um, which, which wow. Is, wow. Which wow. Is, <laughs> lackey log. <laughs> you stepped on it there. That's, <laughs> that was <laughs> just. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> that was no. not right. That was no. not right. Wow, lackey right. log. I'm gonna take a sip of my <laughs> <Stop> drink. <saying laughs> well, you said it first. Your fault. Turn of phrase. It's your fault. Yeah, and you just <laughs> keep keep just keep getting it out there. Um, all right. I I mean, you know, werewolves within occupies a uh, genre niche, a subgenre niche, um, at least to my knowledge, sort of made popular by the thing back in the day uh wasn't the first to do it but definitely probably the most prominent to do it right when i was saying i was like it's not the first one but it's the one that comes to mind popularized popularized. yes right popularized um wow i'll take my lackey log and go home (laughs) please (laughs) 
That ain't right. Uh, that ain't right. Uh-uh. No. no I'm cue no. the music again every time I you accidentally say it. fell in it. You're, you just keep wallowing. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I just think the the general idea of, of otherizing and it's really hysterical and you're going to laugh at me, but in a, in a friendly way, I hope, because it's true. I, I don't hear this um, wrongly. My response was a little thin this time, mainly because it's so there. It's, it's very, I mean, you know, the theme is right in front of you. But the question I wrote down was, how do we maintain neighborliness in an utterly polarized culture? And you reminding us, which I wrote it down, uh, I felt like a doofus. I was like, well, <laughs> the, the movie answers that question with the very first <laughs> Mr. Rogers quote. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I do think the film is savvy in its conscientiousness of and placement in a present moment in time. Um, because I don't know if you feel like this in your comings and goings these days, it is challenging not to feel like there are werewolves all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just in a, just in a kind of like, this is probably going to sound a little stronger than I intend, but I miss, I miss thinking well of others. Hmm. There's a discovery, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I miss that. I resonate with that. I miss that about myself. And, and there's a lot of things I can blame that feeling on. This is going to be super random, but it's been on my mind lately. Uh, I won't linger here long, but it's uh, telling to undergird this. Um, I reference it every now and then, but Sway podcast, Kara Swisher, she had someone on recently who's this like big time designer and I didn't really, I'm not into design or fashion or anything like that, but I do like the podcast. So I at least gave it a, a partial listen and something that this particular guest said, I've thought about some cause the host Kara Swisher directly asked her, she's like, what is design? Like, how, how would you answer that to someone? And this is a person who's been in this field for decades. And she was like intentional intentionality mm. and, mm. and it made a lot of sense. I was like, okay, no, there's some truth there. And she's speaking of it in, in an aesthetic way, you know, fashion, yeah, art, things yeah. like that design is simply having mindfulness about what you're putting forth. Sure. And, and so it's interesting while that seems random, I thought about that a lot because as I posed to you just then the question or, or the, the, the kind of grievance, the, the morning of, I miss thinking well of others and buried in that is almost self critique of like, well, intend to intend to, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. if, if, if things don't happen, but by intention, broad statement just dropped in there, but if things don't happen, but yeah. by intention and you are, feel like you mourn the loss of a thing, what does right. it look like to to refine that thing or to with intention have that thing. I don't know. And, and, and so I'm left kind of in this tension of, of actively feeling that way, you know, miss, Mm. I miss thinking well of others and, 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 you know, peers, I, I mean, the people who are in my orbit and, you know, are, are, are fogger friends and all that sort of stuff. Like, like all of that, I think, extremely well of, I just mean in a general 
cultural sense, societal sense, I miss what used to feel like, maybe even naively, I'll be honest, was a more, you know, maybe optimistic, maybe idealistic, sure, again, sure. perhaps naive kind of view. So yeah. I, I just kind of pose that of like, this is this, yeah. this type of story does that. Um, yeah. Stuff. And I mean, to, to, to briefly answer the question with some of my thoughts and part of what I gleaned from this, and then maybe to y- your instincts were right. It does overlay pretty well with the, with kind of what I gleaned from the film and part of why I responded so strongly to it this time around. I think the simple answer is you seek out and destroy the polarizing catalyst. So I think part of why how you survive the werewolves is you you got to out the werewolf. You got to you got to destroy the werewolf. But I think the other problem is you got to stop pretending everybody's a werewolf because to your point earlier, like everything around feels like a werewolf when there is a a divisive slash polarizing agent that is happening. Maybe sure. that divisive or polarizing agent is the algorithm of social media. Maybe it is. You know the the um, inflamed passions of leaders of specific movements or or whatever it is. Like who knows? Pick your pick your finger there um, in terms of like wh- where you're going to point to whether it's going to be you know the the this divisive catalyst or that divisive catalyst. But I think the way that you get out of it is either and this is not always very practical, either to remove the catalyst from your life, maybe that would apply to something like a social media presence or something like that. Okay, well, if this is continuing to spread the divide in your heart and make it harder and harder to, in your language, think well of people and and, and feel good about people, if that's making it harder, then maybe the choice is you remove the social media catalyst from your life. Sometimes it's not practical or possible to destroy the catalyst, but it should conceivably always be possible to either remove the catalyst from your place of influence and the influence in real estate it carries in your own heart and imagination, or at least to distance yourself from it. And that is a tremendous aid to survival. Like One of the things I think is, is interesting about the film is the film spends most of its runtime interrogating our capacity to get along with each other. And it interrogates that pretty deliberately. Like it, it, it questions, can we be neighbors with one another? Like, is that even a possibility? And what I do, this is one of the things, one of the three or four things that took my really like all the way up to love is it didn't quite register to me the second time around. Cause the first time around, I'm just like, who's the werewolf? What's going on? The second time around, it registered like, oh yeah, the werewolf claims basically one victim in this and you know you could count chachi the dog but he claims base you know chachi (laughs) Chachi. but um she it's a she the werewolf is a she gender's a construct um it (laughs) claims one victim the rest of the body count take each other out they destroy themselves well she even says Everyone else took care of themselves with their own fear yes. and greed and their own petty nature. Exactly. And that really stuck out to me this time in, in, in terms of a thematic thing. And in that, in that way, 
it does hold a mirror up to say like, you know what? Uh, there was an old Twilight Zone episode called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street that explored a similar vein where it was basically like, okay, there is a real malevolent and divisive presence, but it is not actively like a puppet master. It's more like it threw a marble into a stack of fragile dominoes and just watched it all fall apart on top so, of on top of itself. Mixed metaphors there. I mean, listen, <laughs> just, marbles okay. and dominoes. marbles and marbles and dominoes. But um, the the point being that like we are pretty capable in and of ourselves of destroying ourselves and we get into our own way you know i was having a conversation about with my wife recently about the nature of when people's insecurities in dialogue begin to stack on top of one another if you and i are in conversation in dialogue and there's not a lot of trust for whatever reason maybe good reason maybe fragile reason if there's not a lot of trust, then the moment that you say something wrong and it steps on my insecurities, I'm going to begin to try to fortify my own spirit around those things. And in the process of doing so, might inflame or exacerbate some of your insecurities. And suddenly, it becomes very quickly that we are two people who aren't even having a conversation with each other. Right. We are using the other person as simply a surrogate for all of the myriad of tensions and problems and you know uh, insecure shortcomings that we have in ourselves and trying to defend ourselves probably needlessly against each other and 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 we view the other as a threat and an enemy and and that is something that I find really fascinating that I'm trying to be better about and I'm trying to at least be better in the moment about calling out my own defensiveness and of identifying the moment, again, trying to ask better questions of myself, identifying the moment, when in this conversation did I suddenly, in my mind, become dreadfully defensive? What was it? What was the catalyst? And that's not always easy to do, like in the moment of a heated conversation. It's not. But it, whether in self-reflection afterwards or if you're able to, in the moment, take take stock of yourself to say, like, wait a second, what what was it that suddenly turned this from a simple exchange of ideas into a debate, an argument, perhaps even something that's on the verge of ugly, if it's not already ugly? Um, and yeah. So you're like, um, uh, yes, yes, and um, <laughs> the notion of remove, remove the caustic thing, I think matters. And there's a world where it feels like uh, I'm addressing a thing you said five minutes ago, ignoring what you've just said. I'm going to loop them, hopefully attempt to loop them in with each other. But I was thinking about this notion of removing the caustic thing. And to me that this is to supplement what you said mm -hmm. to me, that's a half measure because, because what has lingered with me as I've mused on this notion lately of what is design which again, like I'm not thinking what's design, but as in, as I've processed, like just flowing through life or intending a thing, like to me, removing the caustic agent matters and is good, but there's also, I think a responsibility to 
understand this phrasing here to will well to mm. to mm-hmm. to put forth good and to seek i think a lot of times and i would just find myself guilty of it i think a lot of times we use passive verbs in these things that are meaningfully uh, assigned to us you know i looked back just now at that Mr. Rogers quote, and this is where I'm going to try to loop it back into what you're saying. It says, listening is where love begins, listening to ourselves and then our neighbors. I want to express, you know, pride in you for identifying, okay, listening to yourself as what it sounded mm-hmm. like you were describing mm-hmm. there. But what's yeah. fascinating about this quote is it says, listening is where love begins. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's huge. Um, it doesn't say love is listening. Right love is listening to yourself and others like well no (laughs) but the ability to set forth to will well to to show love Mm -hmm. requires listening you and i have a habit of this over 20 years but a few peers i've sort of collected in recent years like i've i've in ways i didn't used to and and you can mark this trajectory or chart this path here where we used to all think, oh, Facebook's here and look at this revelatory piece of technology. And now we're (laughs) friends with everyone we've ever known. And Mm -hmm, we are mm -hmm. friends, capital F. And then we get real disillusioned and realize, oh my God, this thing is a monster out of even its own owner's control. And we, we dial back and we, through, through learning kind of alter, uh, um, through learning how the mechanism works, and additionally, learning um, what friendship might actually be, which isn't, right. you know, zeros and ones uh, right. in a real cursory way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so charting this path of, at least for me personally, a personal path of thinking that's the way it might operate and then realizing, okay, it's not really that. Well, what does friendship mean? Friendship mm-hmm. does mean these, my wife and I talk about this a lot, um, you know, I've got the, the you read or aware of all these humans, but there's kind of two general uh, groupings in my life that, that every now and then intersect, but not in real tangible ways. Uh, but those are my peers in the world mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that I share life and, and uh, burdens with and so on and so forth. And a lot of that is learned from realizing how maybe erroneous it is to do those things in a social media setting. These are people with whom uh, re- reciprocity takes place. Where I'm simply trying to go is, if if listening is where love begins, I have noticed in myself and and want to do more and maybe need to create safeguards. So again, if the process is remove destruction, okay, or remove the caustic agent, okay, in a general sense, I've done that. Okay, well now what? And and if listening is where love begins, well, what does design? What does intention mm-hmm. merit? You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. what are what are active action steps? You and I, uh occasionally catch ourselves and realize off pod, all we're talking about is pod. And it's like, well, wait, let's, <laughs> let's, let's clearly delineate these things. And I'm being for real. Right. Like right. you start to realize, okay. Uh, in, in mine, in your case, it's okay. Pod stuff is, is appropriate and good to, uh, articulate, but we also need to check in on each other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so something I've find myself doing, want to do more of, but find myself doing is just those peers in the world whom I do care for just when they come to mind, shooting them a text. How mm-hmm. are you? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, what's, what's going on refreshing on a thing I may remember about 
a story they told or whatever. Yeah. And, and I know that sounds dumb and it's like the most menial mm-hmm. step in the world to when you care about someone, check on them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the thing that, that that's, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, I get disheartened by how in the stream I can feel sometimes like, Oh, yeah. just my goodness. Just, just life is just, flowing and yeah, kind of in of it and, and it requires I'm rambling here, but I don't know that that intentionality both encourages and will occasionally, if I'm honest, convict me, but yeah. because I think yeah. it is so crucial to melt some of that divisiveness. Now ask me how I apply that to people who I maybe don't really care for it. I don't know. I'm not there. <laughs> either, but. Well, but, uh, and maybe I'll build upon it with the second thing that really stood out to me, and it, it I mean, per, perhaps coincidental, perhaps by design, uh, they build upon, I think they build upon one another. The other moment, you know, so, so finding out or realizing like, oh yeah, they killed each other. Like that, that was the thing that explores that and interrogates that. But then also, I, di- I didn't write it down. I should have, but I was just so wrapped up in it. Finn's monologue towards the end about being nice mm-hmm. when she, teases him and belittles him for his being nice. And what he says there, he's like, I'm nice. I like, I want good things for people. And you talk about intention and you talk about design. And I responded with vigor to him saying like, I'm nice. Like what is wrong with being nice? I'm nice. And sure enough, and his she actual says, line is it's effing. Okay. To be nice. <laughs> it's effing. Okay. To be nice. And then he apologizes for it and said, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> and, and then he says, it's effing. Okay. So, but, and then she says, and I think this is the hinge point. She says, well, in a dog eat dog world, you could be nice or you could be me, which is a really wonderful line thematically, narratively for a scare energy moment in a dog eat dog world. You could be nice or you could be me. And I think that you talk about intention, that's the choice. Because I'm, look, this is based on a video game that was called Werewolves Within. Okay. So I'm not acting as if the really wonderful, talented writer, Mishna Wolf, nominated for a Foggy, I'm not acting as if she came up with the title Werewolves Within. But think about the title. Not necessarily just Werewolves Among Us, but Werewolves Within. You could be nice or you could be me. You could be you finn or you could embrace the the werewolf the consumptive the i'm gonna put dinner on ice till spring kind of thing and i feel like there can be a tendency particularly when things get super divided super polarized to start seeing this as a battle in which there can only be one victorious party and the only way to succeed in that in that view is to just utterly decimate the opposition. And I, one of the things I also just adore about this movie is two times he visits the man up in the cabin, yeah. off in the, you know, like, uh, what, Emerson. Two times he visits Emerson. And the first time, Emerson just like... <laughs> Shotgun threatens him off the property. Second time around, he comes and, you know, th- they have a full conversation, but he talks <laughs> about community and it's just, it's, it, it, it's really great. I love the moment at the door. He's like, yeah. we, we, we don't, don't, don't bother the lock. <laughs> we can get it ourselves. <laughs> you know, like, oh man, it's so funny. But, em- you know, but then I, 
God, I love so much. Sure, it's a clever narrative beat. But when Emerson comes back and Emerson winds up, you know, getting the drop on the werewolf, <laughs> getting a, a, a pretty hearty wound uh, for his trouble, but also like when Finn asked him, why did you come back? And he said, you know, that stuff you said about community. It was it was nice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, God, I love this so much. Emerson, this guy who built his world from the moment we meet him, he is isolated. He is on his own property. Trespassers are going to be shot on site. He is isolated. But the intentionality, I'm kind of trying to mirror some of the text mm-hmm. of the film with some of what you were exploring. The intentionality of Finn's niceness ignites in him the spark of, that's that sounds nice. A community of people sounds mm-hmm. nice. And mm-hmm. And that it's Emerson, that it's the hardened, you know, really rough around the edges sort of trapper personality that that softens to the concept of that. And I do, I feel like, I feel like it, niceness is usually contrasted in thought with strength. And one of the things, honestly, I mean, you can you can answer it if you want to. I'm kind of asking it rhetorically, but feel free to respond to it if you want. Is I how often do we ask the question? Is God nice? Like, we can say all these things that we want to about God's greatness, his goodness, his safety or not. Is God nice? And I would say that there is profound tenderness and niceness in God. And that is something that we have a tendency to contrast the concept of niceness with strength. Nice means you're weak. Nice means you're afraid. Nice means you can't stand up in the moment and really deliver something good or deliver an, an, a change to the situation. And yes, this film, in funny ways, interrogates that idea, the hope that niceness can change things. But where it ends, <laughs> where, where it resolves, other than that glorious moment where Janine says, make your own sandwich, where it ends is on this note of the roughest and most isolated person from this community comes back and directly states community sounds nice and and i i just responded so profoundly to that because of the ways in which it is effing okay to be nice <laughs> it is and you can be and you can have design and intention in your efforts to do so and and i love that i and you I can listen to ace of bass while doing it oh i love that moment i love everything about cecily like until well, she and yeah it, Until- not everything, <laughs> but, um, but no, like that invigorates me. That invigorates me because I too am tired of feeling, of, of thinking the worst of people and I'm tired of feeling bad about people. And this film gave me a bit of, of an antidote if I choose to focus on and meditate it on it in in the degree to where it will sort of rise in my heart and spirit it gave me a bit of an antidote you know what it's you can be nice you have permission to be nice you don't have to win the argument you don't have to be correct you don't always have to put yourself i really don't want to get i know i know how we can do i don't want to wind us up here but what is wild to me is what God have we presented? What Jesus have we left in the tomb to somehow equate niceness with weakness and not see the value in weakness? <laughs> oh, like, oh man, if, yeah. Like even yeah. if we're going to, if you know, even if we're going to, because um, 
philosophically, there's a world where I will assent to the notion, oh, you're nice, you're weak. It's like, okay, well, maybe. But uh, in other words, I'm not defensive about that uh, um, equivalence there. Mm -hmm. I also just think we'll take it to the next step, which is, you know, kind of a, a, a tentpole virtue of the teaching and example of Jesus is that weakness is its own strength. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, and, mm -hmm. and that's what gets kind of fascinating to me is we, in a general sense, in, in a Nathan paints with a broad brush kind of sense, we want, we want strength to be the, the, the clarion call when, when really uh, strength, uh, strength is arrived at mm -hmm. not led with. Right. Yeah. You know, it's oh, like, you, absolutely. You, you get there. You, you, you don't start there and, mm -hmm. and, and damn, we, we sorely missed that boat. Absolutely. I'm going to, as my closing line, I'll uh, cite one of my favorite Michael Card lyrics. I may have cited it on the show before, but it's been a long time since I have um, in a song called God's own fool talking about Christ. Michael Card had written a lyric where he said, we in our foolishness thought we were wise so he played the fool, so we'd open our eyes. We, in our weakness, believed we were strong, so he became helpless to show we were wrong. And I think there's a tremendous value in re-examining weakness, our concepts of weakness, weakness and helplessness and niceness, if we equated it all in the same category, uh, to produce exactly what you explored there. I... Um, Hmm. I, I love this movie. I think this movie's great. <laughs> Shall we go to so, the fog meter, Riri? Let's do it. Tell them what it's all about. Oh, ye old fog meter. Our now patented. I don't know. I just turned into Nathan of the Hill Country. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, our, our metric for how we judge the films we discuss on a measure of fear and God, how scary a thing is, how substantive a thing is. Um, you know, I'll start with fear. It's I don't find it very scary. I don't totally think that's the point. I mean, sure, it wants sure. to be a horror comedy, but it's not. Uh, out to out to get you as it were so i'm gonna give it a five i'm gonna give it a five okay yeah um, on the fear meter i agree with you and if we're talking you know pure frights no um i'm gonna go with a seven because there are some decent jump scares especially the first time going through it um and no it's not the kind of film whose tone is going to give you nightmares but it's it's got some decent jump moments in it and so to that end i'm gonna be generous towards it and give it a seven um i am not gonna mince words here like i don't think this film has a lot of complicated things to say but if if i'm viewing like the god meter or its substance as like what does it got on its mind does it express those things effectively and everything i I'm not going to pull the punch. I love the film and I'm going to give it a 10 on the God meter because I feel like it, it aims maybe even accidentally at a really strong bit of profound thought about the nature of community and the nature of niceness and neighborliness to each other. And you could be nice or you could be me and how powerful that choice is. So 10 for me on the God hmm. meter. Yeah. Um, I will go for, I'll go for a, I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm going to go with seven because right. I think inherent to this form of story is a 
conversation about otherizing and and this mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I think I think the form lends itself a lot of heft and some of what this particular film applies to the form kind of pushes it over the finish line in a, in a thoughtful way. And I don't disagree with you Absolutely. there. I just, yeah. So yeah. Seven. Yeah. And that means that we give werewolves within written by Mishna Wolf and directed by Josh Rubin, a seven out of 10 on the old fog meter. Um, listeners already know my answer, but would you recommend it? Of course. Yeah, for sure. In a group or by yourself, whatever. Absolutely. This is a wonderful film. Everybody should see it. I think it's, I think it's fun. Yeah. It's tremendous fun. If you are a fan of horror films, but you don't like them being too gnarly or grisly, this is a great option. Yeah. It's got, it's got a couple of moments of little gore here and there that you just need to sort of be braced for and a little bit of language. But other than that, it is really palatable and a whole lot of fun. And, uh, and yeah, I love it. So that was werewolves within, which is very, very exciting next week. We are going to be visiting another uh, multi-fog nominated film, and that is Edgar Wright's Foggy film. Nominated. Foggy nominated. Did I say fog? Yeah, foggy nominated. I got to get used to the name. Yeah. Foggy nominated film. Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, nearing the conclusion. Not next week, but uh, drawing towards the conclusion of 2021. More time. Patrons should also acclimate themselves with episode five of Midnight Mass. Uh, and all of you see Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho and join us back here next week. Nathan, thank you so much, as always, for this conversation. Listeners, Absolutely. thank you so much for listening to us. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>